Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Carabell. Indeed, this is the Fantasy Focus Baseball for Monday, June 3rd, 2019. He is league winner Tristan. I am Uber driver Eric. Joining us today, versatile Kyle Soppy, pushing all the right buttons, and the editorial watchdog. And the guy who published my first photo credit last week is Tom Carpenter. Yay! <laughs> I wasn't on vacation, Kyle. Kyle keeps thinking I was on vacation. <laughs> I went to... The Astros game and the Rangers game and wrote you stories on two like of the best players in baseball. You guys were both on vacation. Oh, how could you? Watching you baseball, out there. taking pictures. Yeah. It was eating the best chicken salad in the world. It was fun. Um, on today's show, the good stuff. We wrap up the weekend, performances that matter, talk the latest injuries, pitchers to watch, a carousel with the closers, and of course, later on, myriad hash browns answered by our expert, Tristan. All right, let's buzz it. All right, before we recap everything, um, today's a big day in the baseball world because the uh, latest amateur draft will occur, and it really shouldn't be the lead of our podcast because there's not a whole lot of fantasy utility here, Tristan. Um, do you watch the first round of the draft? What do you think of it? Uh, if you're in a dynasty format, like, it, does this change anything? Like, like that first guy, that catcher, Adley Rushman from Oregon State, you know, I'm kind of cool on catchers, cool meaning bad, in dynasty formats because... Most catchers don't have a long run of success. I mean, Buster Posey is an example of one who did, but, you know, most of the pitchers take two or three years. If you want to wait in a dynasty format, I understand that. But for people playing in fantasy for just this year, tonight doesn't mean very much, does it? It, it doesn't. It's it's just the dynasty leagues uh, because – how often do we see a player picked in the in any round of the MLB draft who makes a debut that season? I keep going back to those relief pitchers, Chad Cordero in that class. Those are the ones who usually breeze their way into the majors. They contribute as relief pitchers. Uh, actually, the Reds dude, Brandon Finnegan. Showed Royal, up that was a Royals guy, and then he was traded well, to the Reds. Reds yeah. today, yeah, but when they drafted him, Royals did, and they threw him into their bullpen during their playoff run. Um, so, so Rushman's interesting, and and the only reason I think this is is buzzworthy from a major aspect is just that uh, the scouts are speaking about him as as a franchise chip, and he is a catcher. And considering the dearth of quality catchers there in the game, if he progresses quickly through, likely the Baltimore Orioles system, maybe he will contribute in a big way two years from now. So that is a guy who in a dynasty league, I will, and in my league, will put in a pretty hefty bid on him. Even though he's a catcher? Like, you're saying it as a positive, and I'm saying it like I'd rather have like Hunter Bishop, who I know is going to hit for power. Like, there's so many good hitters, college hitters in this draft, I'm thinking they're going to make a bigger impact than a catcher. I, but mm -hmm. if, if this guy Rutschman is Posey or Gary Sanchez or Joe Maurer, then, you know, I guess it changes everything. But You know what makes me hesitate just a little bit? We're talking about a, a he's a switch hitting catcher who could be drafted by the Baltimore Orioles, who is considered a great defensive catcher. Matt Weeders, like exactly. Was like, Matt Weeders a great fantasy option? No, no. Although, although now maybe he's worthwhile because <laughs> yeah, we'll get Yachty, into that. Yachty goes in the deal. We yeah. probably weren't going to get into that because Matt Weeders <laughs> isn't worth discussing. But like he did have a run with Baltimore where he was yeah. relevant. Anyway, watch the draft because it's really exciting. But you don't know when you're watching it. 
who the next Mike Trout is. Like, I like, he was picked like 25th, right? Like, he, he was, I believe he was 26th. He was a spot ahead of the Yankees, and that was the Yankees guy. So I remember that part of the story pretty crystal clear. And yeah, he's sitting there waiting for his name to be called. I like your, your mention of Bishop. Bishop was one of the likely to be drafted in the mid-range of the first round, who does interest me a lot from the, the dynasty angle. Right. Anyway, it's going to take a while for most of these guys to matter for fantasy purposes. But if you're in a, and if you're in a dynasty format, you probably probably already have Rutschman in your league, or do you have to wait until he is well, assigned a team? It depends yeah. on the league. Yeah. But... Check your check your rules. The yeah. other one too is, by the way, do you have any uh, different approach between college and high school prospects? Well, like... I don't want to wait as long. So a college guy, yeah. I mean, I remember. You know, I've been playing since I was I wasn't even born. Pat Burrell, when he was drafted, like that was a college hitter, slugger. Yep. Yep. He was going to slug right away a yep. year later. And was like, to move quickly. And yeah, Ryan Braun, same thing, another third baseman. But, you know, these kids, you know, teams can be more patient. I guess it depends who gets them. Like if the Royals mm-hmm. get a bat in the first round, he could be up, you know, next year. But you so. think in terms of, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. being the, the high school prospect. That's, a, that's, that's three years at least. Right. And, and, and yeah, by the way, and, and that's the guy projected to go to the Royals. They have Mondesi at short. So, you know. Well, they don't worry about that stuff because he could be a <laughs> No, but third, that would be a but... long t- – we're talking about a long-term project then, so. I mean, by the time Witt debuts for the Royals, Mondesi will already have had like three seasons where he was a first-round fantasy pick. A couple MVPs. <laughs> couple of, yeah, exactly. You see what I'm saying, Kyle. Like, yeah. yeah. Tristan He'll do will still what be... Carl Crawford was supposed to. <laughs> Tristan will still be ranking him after like J.P. Crawford. Hey, um... I, I think I have him ranked about where you do at this point. <laughs> I, 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 well, I don't even up. But, like, he should be in the top 50 for sure. Yeah. He's one of the best players in fantasy baseball. He's hey, better than Trey Turner now. Hey, he's a, he's a que- there's some questionable real baseball skills, but he is making it work. He's fun. There's still 50 bases with 15 home runs. He's going to do exactly what Trey <laughs> Turner did. walks. And it might not even be 50 bad batting average points off of Trey Turner. Right. Um, the other reason why today's a big deal is because the compensation pick for the free agents gets lifted. What a ridiculous system that they have in baseball. But Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel can now sign with teams, and it's just money that they're spending. They don't lose the, the compensation draft pick, which is important. Okay. But I don't think either of these pitchers are pitching this month. And the track record for players who missed the first couple of months of the season is terrible. I, I mean, I guess it'd be different with Kimbrell, a short reliever, as opposed to a starting pitcher. But Keiko doesn't throw 95. So I, do you care? Like, if Kimbrell goes to the Twins today, okay, he'll become their closer upon activation. But that may not be this month. So I, I, I care from a couple of angles on this one. And, and that is more the onlys, the deeper leagues. These are players who are going to be dropped into your league if they weren't taken on draft day and kept on your bench the entirety of the year. And they are going to eat up a large amount of fab. And I would argue that it's probably going to be too much. And I think it is probably going to be Kimbrell who deserves it a little bit more because, as you said, a lot of bullpens are very much up in the air. And Kimbrell, based on his reputation and his swing and miss stuff, is going to probably breeze right into being a closer. But I like your projection on the timetable it would take for them to get up to full speed. Jake Arrieta comes immediately to mind. The Phillies did not race him right into the rotation. He got in there pretty quickly, but they didn't race him right in. So I'm with you. I I feel like we're looking at a, a June 30th timetable before either one could contribute at all anyway. That's still half the season. Kimbrough could get 15 saves, especially if he's on the Twins, a really good team. I mean, I say the Twins, it could be the Red Sox, it could be the Cardinals, it could, it could be, be anybody. The Brewers, it could be, yeah. Right, I mean, Brewers, you know they want a right-hander in that bullpen who can get some saves so a hater can't. Like, Corbin Burns finished yesterday's game. They, they don't want to keep doing yeah. that. Yeah. Um, we'll get the closers a little bit later on here. Um, let's move on to some other news from the weekend. Uh, maybe some of this you got to on Thursday, I don't know. Uh, but, oh, Joey Gallo. Let's start with that. Um, and, and I'm not the jinx. I did speak to him on Thursday <laughs> afternoon. 
this is not Stefania traveling around and players get hurt. The Kara curse. Not at that. Not at all. He hurt his oblique swinging at a pitch on Saturday. He's on the injured list. I doubt we see him again until the All-Star break. It's a shame he's having a monster season. I believe the headline said, morphed into a fantasy star. I was all for it. Boss yeah. was for it. Um, Texas is not replacing it with anything that fantasy, I, I don't think the fantasy managers should want. I mean, Danny Santana, I just don't think is going to help you much or Delano DeShields. Uh, they could steal a base, but I, I'm tired of like rostering stolen base guys like this and Billy Hamilton who do nothing else. They're just terrible. Like DeShields was in the minors for a reason. He can't hit. Billy Hamilton, I watched, I was at the Royals Rangers game on Thursday. He, he struck out in all four of his at bats. He, he offers nothing at the plate. And the stolen bases don't matter in, fan, in real baseball anymore. So I, I just it's hard to roster players like this, which is why I overspent in a trade this weekend to get Starling Marte in a 15-team mixed league. And you told me not to do it, and I did it anyway. Um, but <laughs> Give the specs. Give the specs. I, I, I actually really like this trade. And I know you and Gianella hated it and thought I was an idiot, but I like this trade. <laughs> I, all right, so I get Marte because I'm I'm second to last in stolen bases, and he's a stolen base guy. He should steal 20 more bases the rest of the season. But it's the throw-ins that you don't appreciate. Christian Walker's legit. All right, I'm not saying he's going to hit 30 home runs, but he's a, he's their first baseman, you know. And and David Fletcher in an on-base percentage league is I think gold. I can play him anywhere. Fletcher's underrated. I will stolen base that, that helped. 15 steals on the season, 12 homers. He's going to bat 300 with a 360 on base. I love David Fletcher. It's Martin Prado. I tra- fine with steals. I traded away Edwin Encarnacion, who's good, 30 homer guy, and Miguel Sano, who I thought it was a good time to sell high on because he scares me health wise. It's an OBP league. Whatever. We'll see what happens. I, I see your perspective on it. And, and and as I pointed out, just so the, the listeners understand, the fact that on-base percentage completely replaces batting average and there's no other categorical changes did influence it. Marte's not great in on-base percentage. Yes. And Edwin Encarnacion is better there than in batting average. But I, I see your – and I see your point very much about the steals, guys, taking it back to Gallo. I agree. I, I'm finding it very frustrating to have to trust. Even Malik Smith. Malik Smith I have on, on one of my AL onlys. And I'm finding it very frustrating to have to squeeze my stolen bases out of players like this who are very streaky, who aren't contributing to the level I expected in the preseason. And maybe that does make Marte worth more. Still so, three bases in a game. And then, like, the rest of the week he does not. It's like, it's like rostering. I've just started sitting Greg Holland and Hector Neris and closers like this even in the uh, Vampire League because – I might get a save this week. I, I might not get any. Like, yep. It's amazing what's happened. Some of these closers are the legit closer for their teams, and they're not getting any saves at all. Alvarado has six saves in two months. Yeah, Jose Alvarado. I dro- I dropped him in the Vampire League, which I won by the way for the second week in a row. Yay! And now I have uh, Max Scherzer on my team. Let's get Kyle's mom to go make that transaction. I'm not ripping your mom. She actually made the transaction last week. Great pinch hitter before to get it in before lock. Tristan, would you have allowed that? Would you have allowed Kyle's mother to make the transaction? She doesn't. Do you win this week? Like I don't know. Is she the MVP of the week? Hey, I think she's the MVP of the year. for putting up with you but like i'm just you know since mom of stat got into baseball to to help uh back her son's fandom See, there of this, it is. i credit the moms who get involved in fantasy baseball so, oh, lots to, to... of women play let's not pretend they don't it's just i could have made the transaction myself instead you text me back oh my mom's doing it for me right now and i'm like what are you eight like it was a long <laughs> phone call on the way home but the espn app very friendly was able to walk her through it we made it happen Yes, and, the ESPN app. And is then he said, small. Ma, where's the meatloaf? <laughs> I've never seen Kyle eat, so I don't think he's going to eat the meatloaf. Um, briefly, because otherwise it'll be an hour and a half show, and I don't think that changed in my week away. Uh, Phillies trade for Jay Bruce. That doesn't matter, does it, Tristan? 
I, I don't think so. I, you know, he's going I, to play against right-handed pitching a lot. He, he's going to play, but but where the pieces left field? No, he's going to play left field it, against right-handed pitching, and McCutcheon's going to play center. You can't be happy with that. Well, I, I can't be happy as a Zach, Zach Eflin manager or investor. Like <laughs> McCutcheon shouldn't be in center field, but I just don't think the Phillies. Yeah, because Eflin's on the DL, and I don't. Well, the, oh, I'm All sorry, right, so the IL. Eikhoff or or Pavetta <laughs> looked great yesterday. I just, I'm just. McCutcheon. I see your point. I just, the pieces don't fit perfectly naturally, and I did first think of, oh, it's Justin Bohr all over again. It's not, but, but you're right. It's- no, he's gonna play more than Justin Bohr did. Seattle, by the way, Seattle has nothing that they're going to play that should interest you because of the open PAs. Um, Kalenic is not coming up this year. He's like 19. Yeah, it just locks in the at-bats for the guys you already knew in Seattle. Both this means locks. Nick Williams doesn't play. And Nick Williams shouldn't play! He's playing terribly! Terribly! Nick Williams does not deserve to play right now. And by the way, you know who I compared him to? And you're going to think this is nuts. You know how I do these comps off the top of my head? No more Mazzara. If Nick Williams played every day, he would put up Mazzara numbers. That's how under underachieving Mazzara is. Three straight seasons, 20 home runs, not a walker. He knocks in runs only because he bats cleanup for them. If Nick Williams batted cleanup every day and got 600 PAs, he'd put up the numbers Mazzara is, which is nothing special. That's what I'm saying. I, I want to, I want to challenge you on the Mazar thing, and you know I, you I can't. can't. I, I'm right. I can't. I think that I do think greatness could be there down the road, but you are right. He's he's falling behind. I mean, I want Mazar to be great. I drafted him somewhere. It might be the office league. I'm not going to win, but you're winning that again. I hate you. Oh, but, no, I I slipped out of first the good. other day. Yeah. Good. You yeah. know what? I'm actively there, rooting it's against competitive. you. It's very actively competitive. rooting against you. I'm not going to give you any more money. Uh, but you know where I will give my money to. <laughs> Here's where I will give it to. Me undies. There are two types of dudes in the world. Those that go through the gate and those that go over the fence. Well, after years of research and countless experiments with seasoned underwear scientists, Me Undies now has an option for both with their new boxer briefs with a fly. It took a while, but now men from both sides of the aisle can enjoy the world's softest undies. These undies are so soft, they make Bob Ross's voice sound like Gilbert Gottfried. Me Undies uses the coveted micromodal fabric, which is a full three times softer than cotton. Not only will you feel like your loins are being hugged by joy itself, but Me Undies gives you multiple style options. Options for both men and women. Men can now try the new boxer brief with fly. It's the same great cut as boxer briefs, just with a hole now for number one. MeUndies is also the go-to for the softest loungewear on the planet. Hang out in their super comfy lounge pants and onesies. I do, so does Tristan. Yes, MeUndies makes onesies, and they're incredible. MeUndies has a great offer for all of our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, when you buy any MeUndies, you get 15% off and free shipping. Get 15% off a pair of the most comfortable undies you will ever put on. And they really are the most comfortable undies. To get your 15% off your first pair, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash FFB. That's MeUndies.com slash FFB. Now, the combo meals. Hey, it's a combo meal. All right, three of the last four days since our last show, and there were only three. They were all on Saturday. Christian Yelich, you've heard of him. Mike Trout, I've heard of him. And Gerardo Parra. Yelich, the newest member of the Vampire Team. Yeah. Oh, wow. You still Yelich? And I gave up Victor Robles to do it. uh, Why? Because he's terrible in points. Oh, you're in a points league, right. And Gerardo, he'd be really valuable because he's That's where I'd be giving up Hunter Pence. But yeah, would you have given up Hunter Pence or would you have given up? See, you've won so much that you're not, you're giving away good players now. (laughs) 
I gave away a guy I in need the some blinds. pictures. Mitch Keller. <laughs> you, you were like, if you win too much, you're going to have to like give Yelich back at some point. All right. Um, By the way, I had the option of taking away JT Real Muto from the guy who named his team after Real Muto. Yeah, you wouldn't do that. That's too mean. <laughs> uh, next up, the carousel closers. The closer carousel. Big Jordan Hicks fan here, but uh, that's not trending well. Um, next save chance for the Cardinals. Hicks, Gant, Carlos Martinez, Craig Kimbrell. Who is it? Yeah, that sounds like a good list. Let's uh, get the dartboard out. I think it's Hicks, but I I don't feel confident in the slightest. He throws so hard that sometimes he just doesn't know where it's going. He, he was a big walker last season. Not much the first six or eight weeks of this season, but last week he had a couple of blowups. And uh, I don't know what the Cardinals are going to do, honestly, here. They're um, committing it. I'm I'm pretty sure they're committing it. And by the way, when we mention the word committee here, uh, Alex Reyes? No, no, no. That's not starting this weekend. Exactly. I think. Would you rather pick up? Because most people are going to listen to this show before games start today. The first game, I think, is at 4 o'clock today. And by the way, because of the draft, there's nothing at 7. So people are on Twitter are complaining about this, that there's games being played during the draft. But they're really not. There's a game at 4, and right. then there's, like, night games at 10. So and that's a replay, whining. the one at 4. That's a rescheduled game. Right. But they didn't schedule at 7 because they wanted the draft to get all the attention. Correct. So let me ask you this. Uh, two guys to start this week and... You know, we haven't seen them in a while. Jimmy Nelson or Alex Reyes? Who would you rather add for the week? Jimmy Nelson by a large margin. Because the Reyes one isn't guaranteed he takes Cabrera's spot on Sunday. But I think it's likely. Say, say Nel- we thought he would. Who would you rather? Nelson right. still, but then right. it becomes closer. The reason for Nelson here is that when you throw a guy like this who's missed this much time, who does a very good stuff, against the Marlins, especially in a home game, I'm yeah. going for that. Yeah, I agree. I picked up Chase Anderson in the league because of the Marlins outing. Um, the um, the Red Sox, watching last night, as a Marcus Walden investor in a few leagues, I was frustrated. So Matt Barnes is blowing it in the eighth inning. He has a six-run lead. He can't throw strikes. He's frustrated with the rain and the mound and the umpire. And Walton's warming, and I'm thinking he's going to get the ninth inning. The save rule is a joke. It's an absolute joke. If that game was 8-4 in the ninth inning, Brandon Workman doesn't get the save, but he still pitches. If it's 8-5, he gets the save. I, I This rule is – and there was an article about it was on The Athletic somewhere. Like, this rule is terrible. Anyway, we have to have saves just like we have to have stolen bases in fantasy baseball. I would like a league without saves and without steals. There's just not enough of either one. Mm-hmm. Like you're 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 picking up all these Boston relievers and like none of them are getting more than one save week. No Boston reliever is going to save 15 games a season. I really believe that now. I unless they they're the ones who signed Kimbrel. I agree with you. I th- and and it looks like that's going to be the case. Even if they traded for a guy in July, there won't be time. Um. By the way, I'll point out Matt Barnes is the best FIP of any other bull- guys in their bullpen. He's the and, best reliever in their bullpen, but he's the eighth inning guy. Clearly, right. the eighth inning and guy. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think you're that, that most often you're right, but I think that is a complete mix-and-match bullpen, and I actually like what they're doing with it. I do too. It's maddening for us, and I think that all this is going to do is in the future switch an awful lot of leagues into the saves plus holds, and I you know, I get that. I'm all for that. I, I'm frustrated with the, with having saves as a category, and I'm getting frustrated with stolen bases because there's just not enough of them. That's The thing point. is, at least in this bullpen, if you're going to draw from a committee, they have the arms that are going to give you enough quality in terms of the ratios and the Ks, to be worthwhile, and I throw Minnesota's in here too. There are other bullpens going this direction that I I, I don't want any part of as a, as a result, and the Cardinals are close to that. Well, Taylor Rogers got had a seven out save. He's really good. Um, Jose Alvarado should be doing what Taylor Rogers is doing, and maybe he will. Mm-hmm. The other one, the other team I want to talk, Scott Oberg. 
It is Colorado's closer until Wade Davis comes back. That could be this week, but you don't activate Davis this week. Any other teams? I'm dropping Jose LeClerc. I got no sense being in Texas of thinking that LeClerc is getting that save, that, that save roll back anytime soon. It, just, it, yeah, it depends on the context. In the mixed leagues, you just can't burn the roster spot like this, but I'm still clinging to him in the onlys. Fair enough. Let's cling to some hash browns after this. I mean, I just hate to sound negative, but, like, I, I'm rostering Greg Holland in multiple leagues, and I was proud of myself. I, I picked the right guy. I had a good April. He's got saves. How many saves did Holland have in May? Like, two? And none of it was his fault. That's the thing. Like, right. you can say, oh, he had a bad month. He was Jose LeClerc or, or Jordan Hicks. No, he wasn't. Holland did nothing wrong. And Arizona wasn't awful. They weren't, like, Detroit or Baltimore for the month. But he he has one save since May 3rd. No but, other Diamondback has any. It, now, in his defense, the bridge has been dreadful. Archie Bradley has been yes. a mess, and that has contributed but a my, lot. You know what my point is. My point oh, I is, totally see it. Hey, hey, look at it this way. I, I think that in Holland's case, you turned a profit on him, or at least you're very close to Well, it. I also wasted the last three weeks. I got one save the last three weeks. But you knew that this wasn't Four something weeks. you could take six months. I mean, you did know there was no way you were going to I was a lot months. more optimistic than you, and I feel that I'm right because Greg Holland still is pitching really well. Two strikeouts in five of his past six outings. He hasn't allowed a run since May 9th. He's doing his job, but they're not giving him save chances. The chances you'll get the six months of this, though, any level of productivity, are very slim with him. I disagree with you. I do. He's done it for three years in a row. Three years in a row, he's given you half a year of very good production, and the rest has been terrible. He's kind of like Fernando Rodney. Who's now going to be on Washington's bullpen as a setup man, probably. (laughs) He got bought in Tout NL, and for a good like a decent chunk of fab um i didn't look to see if he went in labor nl i didn't have any moves to make there um i had to activate tyler Beatty. facing the mets i want to believe you and you you've seen a little about him there's there's something there There's something there but man it's gonna be like yeah no i was gonna say like the giants aren't gonna win much but it's a good ballpark so he's not like a baltimore detroit pitcher but it was either that or leave an absent Cal Quantrill active. I didn't get anybody I bid on. Um, I still have a shot in both those leagues. I've blown a huge lead in labor. I had an 18-point lead, and then I fell out of first over the weekend. It's crazy how— You're still first. —how fast things move there. And then in tout, there's like four or five teams that are all right there at the top. Yeah, maybe I'll plummet after this trade. All right, let's get some answers. You have such confidence in yourself, Eric. Nicholas. I do, I do, but like— <laughs> Like, look, the standings change in these expert leagues no, all the time. Of course. of course, regular leagues, too. I know that there's four more months to go. It's, it's not that I'm not confident. I just I think I'm going to finish second like I do in every expert league like this. But Second place isn't that bad. Nicholas has a question from Twitter. He wants to know, with DD coming back, who is his cut? He's got Ahmad Rosario or Scott Kingery. I'm not sure either have to be rostered, but I would probably cut Kingery first. I do like Kingery quite a bit. I think he's going to be in the platoon with Jay Bruce, essentially. Like, okay. they're going to play Bruce in left field and Kingery in center against lefties. Mm-hmm. And Mike Alfranco is really close to just losing his job overall, and Kingery could play third. The problem here is um, Gabe Kapler doesn't want his players to steal bases. So if Kingery was on... Almost any other team, I think he'd be stealing 20 bases. On this team, nobody is. Gene Segura is not stealing 15 bases on this team. I'm sorry. So Rosario is really raw. He's really replaceable. He's nothing special. But he's going to steal more bases than Kingery and play more. So I guess I'd keep him around. 
Phillies, by the way, are not in last place in stolen bases. <laughs> How, what do they have, like 12 on the season? They have 17 stolen bases on the year. They are uh, The only ones behind them are Toronto has 14 and the Cubs have 13. But by the way, the Phillies... Uh, okay, yeah. I, I, you know, I thought their percentage success rate would be above league average. It's actually beneath it. That's why they're not running. Kapler yeah. got mad when Cesar Hernandez stole a base a couple weeks ago because <laughs> it took the bat out of Michael Franco's hands. I, I don't know why he'd be mad at that. Well, you, you don't want Michael Franco hitting. He had a terrible May. By the way, this is a reminder to fantasy managers. Don't look at season stats. We're in June now. Look at the trends. If a guy batted 170 in May with one home run, he probably isn't any good. That's Michael Franco. I got I just, a great uh, April out of him, and that's it. It's time to move on. I, I, just, I haven't played him in weeks in doubt. I just wrote a recent thing like this on Paul DeYoung, who, and I love the guy, and I still think he has a lot of value to for people going ahead, but the batting average we talked about coming down, it did in a pretty severe way over the past 10, 15 days. He batted something like 080. Yeah, he's, he, the difference there is at least he bats like clean up or third in the in a lineup. But, but he won't if he keeps hitting like that, and that concerns me a little. I'm not I'm not ready to panic on him. But there when was, did Matt Carpenter turn around last year? It was like the first week of June, wasn't right it? Right around now, yeah, yeah. It right, was well, uh, the big corrections coming. And by the way, I agree with you on the Kingery assessment. The, Dynasty is the only case I can make here. I still think in Dynasty, Kingery is going to be a top 10 second baseman and 2020 potential provider, but I don't see it this year. You are no. correct, sir. Next. Shane's got a question on Shane Green. He wants to know if he can push 40 saves. He hasn't allowed an earned run in 22 of 24 appearances this year. Yes, he can. And, like, I'm going to go against Tristan again. Like, he, he hates Holland. He probably hates Green, too. Yes, Shane Green was bad last year. The year before, he had a 266 ERA. Why don't we just forget about that? Yes, Shane Green will get 40 saves, I think. I'd be more apt to, buy, to believe in Shane Green because he's shown the track record of seasonal entirety. The performance, the, yes. Like last year, the ERA is bad. Okay, there's a couple of bad outings in September that really spiked his ERA. Yeah. So if you want to criticize one month, that's different from the Greg Holland criticism. He could do it here. The, the, the danger the, here is this. Okay, the team. The you, team. You, yeah, you see Shane Green with 18 saves, and Holland had one last four weeks. Shane Green could get one save in June. Like, there's Correct. no no guarantee that he will continue. It's not something you can project ahead. That Shane Green's going to continue to get nine saves a month. Mm-hmm. He's going to have a month with three. Yes. So be careful. Also, trading season is open. The Royals, everybody's available. The Tigers, everybody. Baltimore, find a guy. The point is, like, I just don't think anybody's trading for Shane Green or Michael Givens. Your trade teams are smarter now. They're trading for Ryan Presley types. They're trading for your setup men. Now, if Joe Jimenez was good, people would be trading for him over Shane Green, but he's not good. Like, that's what I think. Like, teams are like the Phillies. I mean, the relievers are thrown out there are awful right now. And I'm surprised they didn't get one from Seattle. Like, they would have taken Swarzak if he was still there, probably. I don't know. I, By the way, I, I do agree on that idea that these relievers aren't necessarily automatics to get traded. When you mention the Presley example, that's going to make people think that Presley was great at the time he was traded. What it was was that the Astros saw something in him that they could correct and exploit. And if other teams do that with Green, that is why I think he would get traded. Exactly. He's he's going very heavily on the cutter and sinker right now. So maybe somebody sees a little tweak they could make and then maximize Green's potential. That's when he gets traded. That's the worry. And when he gets traded to another team, he ain't closing. He's a setup man. He's He's probably. He's like Presley. I mean, I guess the Phillies could do that. But, like, the Phillies have one closer and he just doesn't get that many saves. When they win, they win, like, six to one. (laughs) You know, they're not. Right. Which is weird because they're not, like, a, a dominant offense. They didn't score any of this weekend. 
Um, let me read something first, and then we'll get to more questions. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It is as if they are so big they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. So what if their site's annoying and doesn't have the events you want? Hello, status quo. The real question is how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there's a better way. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. In an industry that tends to stagnate, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? Well, a quick look at the App Store shows more than 50,000 five-star reviews. How's that for customer satisfaction? It's a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web. Then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. They break down the details. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. And every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use the promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code FFB for $10 off on your first purchase. That's promo code FFB for $10 off your first purchase. All right, Jared's wondering the same thing I am here. Jake Odorizzi, SP3 on the Playerator. What are we doing with him? Sub-2 ERA right now. <laughs> I got a message from somebody saying, is it time to buy in on him? A <laughs> good friend of ours. <laughs> uh, you're going to have to tell me afterwards who it is. I <laughs> From one of our sim leaks. <laughs> I'll say this. like He's not a pitcher who's going to keep a 196 ERA for six months. But I remember – I. I had shares of him in that sim league for years, remember? Yeah, and, and I, I had him in the other one, and I think I let him go finally, so that clearly explains why he's great. Like, I saw a pitcher with Tampa who was somehow giving up too many home runs in that ballpark, and, like, he always just had, like, a bad inning or two, but his whip was always much better in relation to his ERA. He's a guy who should have broken out. Minnesota figured it out. Now, last year he wasn't good. Odorizzi had a high whip last year. He walked too many guys. Now he looks a lot better, but that home run rate is a little too low. Four home runs over 12 starts. I don't see how that can continue. So where he might win like 18 games because the Twins are really, really good. They're arguably the best team in baseball with the Astros and Dodgers. That ERA has to, I'll say the rest of the year, the ERA is 350, but he wins like 10 more games. And that's probably the appropriate amount of regression. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I can make the case for it being better than 350 because something clearly has changed. Uh, the average velocity on the fastball is Jeez. up. Wow. What? Did you notice, like, he hasn't given up a run, a run in six of his last seven outings. Right. And, and the fact that he's missing bats to the extent he did makes me think, okay, it's time to dig super deep, like the Lucas Giolito discussion. We just had a long I was just going to say, Thursdays. they're both top five this year. Who do you like better the rest of the way? I, I still like Giolito. I got ripped for... Le- leading my free agent report with him last week because people were like, everybody knows about Giolito. He's everybody available in an unbelievable percentage of ESPN leagues. It was 64% available when I wrote the article uh-huh. last week. I agree he should have been picked up. He was picked up in all our expert leagues. Of course. But I'm not writing for those. I'm writing for our audience, which is a 10, point, a 10 team points or Roto League. And if I, I see a guy out there who shouldn't be out there, I'm going to mm-hmm. write about him. I would still take Giolito over, over, over Oda Rizzi, but can you believe what Giolito's doing? Like, that's yes. craziness, too. Like, we, we went a little in depth on this on Thursday about what he's, he's changed something. Like, there's a definitive change here. And one of the things that ties to Odorizzi is that they've both shown the fastball velocity increase. In Odorizzi's case, by the way, sinker usage. He's always had a good sinker. 
He never used it. He's using it a lot now, about a quarter of the time. So something's different here, and I wonder whether we need to buy in. Giolito, by the way, the criticism and why I, I would endorse what you were saying about adding him is that their schedule, they have the fewest games between now and the All-Star break, and they have one of the worst schedules, and I'm still all in on Giolito at this point. After digging in deep, I all think in. Are you all in on Odorizzi? I think no. I'm about there. I'm, I'm, I'm all into this perspective that I, I have to rank him as a top 40 starting pitcher now, which is craziness. Giolito, though, has the potential to be like Walker Bueller. Okay. Like we might be ranking Giolito as the number 12 starting pitcher next year. We're not doing that with Oda Rizzi. I mean, uh-huh. it's great what he's doing for the Vikings right now, but like he's not going to end up as a top 40 starting pitcher. Like I don't think. Like it's a borderline from, did I say Vikings? Did you just say he's yeah, pitching for the Minnesota awesome. Vikings? I'm thinking of like sounding the horn huh. now. <laughs> I, I have to write a Todd Gurley article today. Um, <laughs> I do multiple sports, Tristan. Gurley plays for the Dodgers. And I don't? <laughs> I do more than you. Ask Tom. I do basketball too. Wow. Ouch. Timberwolves. So Timberwolves right-hander Jake Odorizzi. Oh my I, goodness. Remember I, <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns in my mixed uh, sport dynasty league. <gasps> Oh I have goodness. him in my mixed sport dynasty too. Oh. There you go. Um, I um, the, I just I, I like know, your the point, Gilito. The, the difference the, with is like the Twins are winning ninety five games. So Odorizzi will get run support, and he's a veteran, so like the, there's no innings concerns. I so you were mean to me, and I'm gonna mean be, be mean back mean to, to you. you. Did I ever call you a jerko? On no, the show? but you you mm. just you just called me out on sports. So <laughs> no, this is the fun one. I, I want to know what your perspective is on one thing. Gilito, we gave up on him, and I'm sorry, but yeah. everybody. Gave up yep. on him this year. Yeah. yeah. So nobody can st- you sit here and be like, hey, look, I was patient enough. I no, don't care. You, what do you care what people on Twitter no, say? No, no. But what I want to ask is on this is, where's the misread here? Was he changed it, something. We, he must have changed something. I, I know he did. But now we're all back on board with all of this top, you know, he was a top 10 pitching prospect. As a matter of fact, he was, I think it was the number one pitching number prospect one, yeah, at the point Washington. he debuted. We're all right back in. Is it right to do that when a pitcher shows that his skills have gotten back to that point? Is it right? And and of how course is it is. If he changes something, literally changes something, and and emerges, then that changes everything. But I do not understand why that is now taken as criticism for not being quick enough to get back on board on a particular pitcher. He was awful last year. I admit I wasn't quick enough a month ago. But nobody was. Well, you know, baseball so. changes. We we were on board with Martin Perez a couple weeks ago, and not to a high level, but because he had changed something. And now he's he's reverting back, and I'm not on board. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, like <laughs> that's how quickly it changes. But like, when it comes to a pitcher's mechanics or a batter's swing or an approach, I don't I don't have any shares of Joey Gallo in my leagues this year. I admit that perfectly. I would have admitted it to him if he had asked me. The fact is, I didn't expect Joey Gallo to hit above two ten ever. If but I he changed ass- something. So so because he's changed something, if I assigned you, you're doing the dynasty ranks right now, and it's a five-year rank, as you know I do with that, what number starting pitcher is Lucas Giolito today? <sighs> you have to make that rank right now. It'd be, I'd say he's back of the top 20. I'd say between 20 and 25. And I'm exactly in the same number as you, and there are people who will think that's too low. All right. Well, who cares what they think? <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm just curious where you, where you reside I, on this. I, but, like, if you said to me, Bueller... I take Bueller. If you say right, Jack right. Flaherty, I take Flaherty. Um, There's there needs to be some hesitation because he had a very long adjustment period. I yes. can't get all the way back in here. I agree with that, but he might end up number twenty or eighteen because like would I take him over James Paxton? I might. Paxton ain't the healthiest dude. Would I take him over? 
trying to think who else is there. Kyle Hendricks, Miles Michaelis, sure, both of them. They're not strike, they're not hard throwers, um, mm-hmm. or young. So I guess it depends who it is, to be honest with you. I, I you know, but like I feel like I have Bueller ranked like number fifteen. No, right. Gila doesn't belong there. I might actually like Kyle Hendricks more than you do. <laughs> I've just been a fan. I like of him, but like I mean, in five years, come on. I I know, I know. Yeah, you're going for the high, sh- the, the top shelf stuff. The the things that the scout saw when he debuted, and it does look like he's gotten a lot of them back. I mean, a month ago, we you know you would have taken Forrest Whitley for Chris Sale. Everything changed that quickly. So. You know, if Michael Franco starts hitting fly balls again, he'll do what he did in April. Like I, sometimes I don't understand why the players don't change when it's obvious what their problem is. Mm-hmm. Like, Martin Perez needed another pitch. How come nobody saw that the last five years? Like, you know, I just, <laughs> I, maybe they did and the player just didn't listen. Like, look, I was in the clubhouses the last couple of days. I know these players aren't listening. Not some of the players are listening. Some are not. Mm-hmm. Joey Gallo, Luis Ortiz, his hitting coach, got through to him and said, this is what you got to do if you want to hit above 210. It's it's the best part of the game nowadays, though, the fact that these players are making such distinct changes. I, I find this just fascinating to research. I do. I love it. I love the Giolito story. And, I'm, and I was behind the curve, I guess. I don't no. care that I was wrong. I care that what we shouldn't do is continue to be wrong when it looks like something changed. And that's what we've done on Gallo. And, and unfortunately on Votto, who's just, it's not going to yep. happen. It's not going to happen with Joey Votto. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I thought he was going to 20 home run, 25. He's not going to even hit 10. There's a lot of back padding on Votto, by the way. There is. Oh, I've sure. I'm sure there's a lot of people. But you know what? If Votto had returned to 25 home runs, the people that predicted he would hit eight wouldn't be saying a word, which is why right. I don't care about those I, people. And, 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 and going back to Holland, it's kind of like we're tying this whole thing together. My take is never do your victory lap until October 1st. <laughs> I'm not doing a victory lap on Holland. I just disagree with what you're saying. I'm not saying you're doing the victory lap. I'm saying that in general, us, any of us as fantasy managers, never do a victory lap until October 1st. When the stuff's in the books, then it's time to start. I won't even do it then because what's the point? Like, it doesn't I, matter I to me. But but that's that's when you appreciate where you got. If people follow me on Twitter, read my stuff, they don't need me to do victory laps, okay? Like, I'm honestly, <laughs> the modesty situation, look, I disagree with you. You can victory lap around me as many times as you I'm want with him. To. I'm not Why would I do that? You're my friend. Because I'm is, a moron with that. You were, but that doesn't matter anymore. Like, the point is... We disagreed, and I yeah. took a stance, and you took a stance. Yeah, your and stance was probably the majority. I'm be right, nine out of ten times I'm going to be right with that. But man, he is like a freak of nature as a baseball player. It's incredible. He homered in the game I was at. He can homer from both. I, he just he looks amazing <laughs> as a player. And, and I should have known it when I watched him hit that ball over the fence with you sitting right. I think you were sitting to my right, and he hits that first pitch. Uh, come on, second pitch over the fence. Why would why would one at bat mean anything? Just because there's something I don't know. There's something about him that bucks every trend. Yes, and it's it's the same thing that Bucks trends. You know, I'm not comparing him to Vlad's father, but like, not every player has to walk. Javier Baez doesn't have to draw walks to be a successful player. When he was striking out 50 percent of the time, what four or five years ago, I was like, there's still something here, but I don't want any part of it right now. Just wait, be patient. I don't, I don't know. I still don't know why the industry was so down on Javier Baez at the beginning because he was striking year. out 50 percent of the time. He was awesome last year. Of the, course he was last year. But the batting average was going to regress, regress, what, 20 points a little bit? I mean, that, that's going to drop him down out of the second round? That's crazy. Well, no, it shouldn't. But hey, let's get to the next question. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we're, 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 we're rambling. Speaking of another guy with a high strikeout rate that's being productive, Austin Riley. He's got 67 at-bats this year, 25 strikeouts, but eight homers. What do you guys view his ceiling as this year and long-term? Yeah, this can't continue. If he continues to strike out like this, he's not Mondesi with the speed. He's 
I think that I'm getting dangerous here. A Christian Walker three-week stretch is coming up for Riley if this continues because oh. he they can pitch to him differently. Christian Walker, the first three weeks of the season, awesome. The next three weeks, not awesome. Austin Riley, the same thing's going to happen. Pitchers are going to figure it out. Pitchers on good teams will figure it out. And he's, he's going to bat 200 over a three-week period. He might hit a couple home runs, but I don't know. I watch him. I, I, Pat Burrell, like I'm trying to think like my comps. I don't think Austin Riley's hitting better than 250 for the next three years. But I do think he's hitting 30, 35 home runs. Don't you? Yeah, I mean that's an that's an aggressive home run total to throw at him, but I can see it because his his value and his skills are tied very much into power at the expense of a lot of other things. Uh, the in season comp I think of in terms of how to apply the regression is Michael Chavis. I could see him Michael Ugh. Chavising. Chavis is awesome though. Chavis has not been that special over the past two weeks. He's certainly been useful, but he has not been what Chavis was over the first two to three weeks that he was You're in right. the majors. He, adjustments happened. I, it's the same thing. Walker Chavis, same thing. And I, and I provided this warning when Riley debuted, and that is that he was promoted during the middle of an outrageously good streak that could have continued on. Sometimes the players just have it over a period of time. I do believe in streaks. And Riley's is going to cool at some inevitable period, and it doesn't mean cut him. It's just the regression. Chavis. Fair enough. That's fair. We got a last question here from John. Wants to know Julio Tehran. He's been on a roll of late over the last month. Should we expect an up-and-down ride the rest of the season, or is he a viable weekly starting candidate? So, Giannella and I go back and forth on the Toronto thing because I got him for a dollar in the in NL Labor, and he didn't go to two. And we talked I about... I believe he didn't. You know, but then again, like, he got Lester for a dollar, and I didn't go to two, and I wanted to. I, I don't know why I didn't. Um, Lester and Toronto are two pitchers that we didn't expect to be great, their, their trends look bad for ERA and whip. And it may still be. Lester's been terrible of late. Toronto doesn't even go six innings half the time. But he doesn't allow any, any runs somehow. Like his FIP has to be higher than his ERA. I haven't looked at it recently, but. I'll call it up. In, in a, in a league where you just need like 150 decent innings, I, I just needed Toronto to have an ERA of four <laughs> and, and get some strikeouts and 10 wins. That's all I needed out of him. And I have Lester and Tout and I needed the same thing. Double digit wins. Get me some strikeouts. Keep your ERA around four with a, a usable whip. If you do that, that's okay. But Tehran and Lester, I don't know why I'm throwing Lester into this question because he wasn't in it, but <laughs> it's the, that's how I view it because it's my leagues and what I think about. Yeah. Tehran and Lester, to me, don't need to be rostered in a standard mix, points or roto. Do you agree with that? Um, Are they top 50 starting pitchers, either of them? Borderline? I, I And I'd more make the borderline case on Lester. Uh, however, uh, I've got a piece coming out that's going to do a little long-term forecasting, forecastering, forecastering, is that a word? Um, that does give the pro Tehran case. The walks are a problem for him right now. That's what's changed over the past year plus. But the Braves, and I'll read the, the note exactly, seven times in their 33 games between now and the All-Star break, they face, uh, do they face a 10, uh, a bottom 10 forecaster grade offense? So in other words, only Seven times do they face one of the worst matchups in the game, and he can only mathematically face one of those teams, one game, during that period. He's going to have a great schedule. I think you need to get Tehran. Yeah, as a Phillies fan, the Braves are going to pass them at some point. Um, but it should be a good race in September, which is all you can ask for. All right, the music stopped. I know what that means. Um, any final? Oh, uh, on on Monday's Baseball Tonight podcast, 
Buster and our pal Dave Schoenfield talk about the latest with Keiko and Kimbrell, the impact of the amateur draft, and the Jay Bruce trade, plus conversations with Aaron Boone and Xander Bogarts. Find it on your favorite podcast app. Any final thoughts, Tristan? Yeah, I do have one for you. Tehran has played seven full years in the majors, and do you know how many of those times he had a higher fifth than ERA? Zero. Nerd alert! <laughs> Not zero. <laughs> All seven. <laughs> All seven. Yeah, I, I, at some point, pitchers do outperform their peripherals and hitters too, right? I mean, like some hitters, their BABIP will be just a little bit weird and some hit pitchers will just pitch better than they should. And after seven years, don't we have to expect that with somebody yeah. like this? Where's Paul the cutoff? Hendricks. How many years do you have to see? Obviously, one's not it's enough. It's different There's with every player. Two, I, three. I, I can't tell you that. I, it, it's not years. It's like your eyes tell you, all right, I've seen enough out of this player to know what he's going to do and that he'll have better ear ray than his FIP. And we're just using one example if they don't make changes. Um, and then with hitters, like I'm trying to think of a guy with a low BABIP every year who's, who's not slow or like a, a guy like Kendrick Morales who, who one year had like a 340 BABIP, I remember. Like it doesn't make sense. We know their baselines. Um, Usually it means higher ground, like elite ground ball percentages. Uh, they have extremely low hard contact rates. That's usually how you can tell when a pitcher has this. And my caution, as I give so many times, the Matt Cain story, when it goes wrong for these guys, it tends to spiral downward. Right. Quickly. There's a downside to Lester and Tehran that you will not w- want to get any part of. Yeah. But we're, it's not happening this year. And long term for Hendricks, as you raised, and I agree with you fully there. It's yes. someday. Like it's... I thought Yoel Shasin would have an ERA of four, four, four to four twenty this year. I really did. I was wrong. It's, I, I thought he had changed something. I was I, there was something interesting there. I yeah. thought he was going to be okay, and now I'm going to have to cut him in tout. Um, although he's on the DL, so you I can, can deal wait. Uh, you can IL him. <laughs> All right, we're done for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Watch the amateur draft tonight. Watch your baseball. Uh, Kimbrough's probably going to sign before our next show. We'll talk about that on Thursday and preview the weekend then. So thanks for sticking around with us. For Kyle, for Tom, for Tristan, I'm Eric. Have an awesome day. Everything is awesome. Draft picks.